I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to another edition of Light Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast Half Full Editor. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Weindrich. How are you, Dave? I am full of anticipation today. As am I. Uh, we are talking about one of the, the most classic of cocktails, sort of a bedrock <laughs> of American mixology. Um, it's not the martini. I'll stop laughing. It's not the Manhattan. It's not the old-fashioned. It's the pina colada. Yes, the pina colada. Enduringly popular, and um, it, it sort of doesn't get the, the same love and respect that many other cocktails get these days. And... Um, I think it's time to kind of look at its history and investigate why that might be. You're a brave man, Noah Rothman. <laughs> well, even braver, because we convinced our good friend, Jeff Berry. He's a, a tropical drinks expert from uh, New Orleans, um, our, one of our favorite bars in the world, uh, Latitude 29. He wrote Potions of the Caribbean, which is like the great book, uh, the great history of Caribbean drinking. So, so uh, who better to ask than, than, exactly. than Jeff? I know it's going to be a good conversation and uh, one that uh, I think I'm going to be thirsty for a pina colada at the end of it. So <laughs> without further ado, <laughs> our friend Jeff. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Pleasure's mine. Hey, Jeff. Always um, fun to chat cocktails with you. I only regret is that Dave and I could not do this in person at your bar in New Orleans, Latitude 29. It would be nice to do it over drinks, a giant communal bowl with uh, three straws. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day. I second that emotion. The last time I was at Latitude 29, Jeff furnished me with a Saturn Popo Galsini uh, that was as big as my head. And uh, afterwards, uh, my wife was somewhat vexed with me because I was not fully sober for our dinner after that. Well, Saturn's a big planet. You got to represent. <laughs> you do. They don't call it Pluto. It was one of the best drinks I, I, I've had in years. And that led to a very fine story that you wrote for Half Full. So I think I had in the to line of duty exactly. and research that was, it was, it was you had to do it. It was your job. We are not here to discuss the Saturn or some of the many other fine drinks that you serve at your bar, but we are here to discuss one of the greats, the Pina Colada. I feel like over the last few years, it's sort of been forgotten, you know, like we're, we've seen so many other drinks come back, people championing mm -hmm. all types of concoctions, you know, new and old from around the world. And the humble Pina Colada is sort of, it's, it's not getting a lot of love these days. It and depends on what what circles you travel in I mean, that's true the pina colada is as popular as ever i mean it's just it's a constant call everywhere you go unless the only place you go is craft cocktail bars it's true case, it does not get a lot of love as you said but you can't i mean that that drink is unstoppable in most of the world i mean just about any hotel you go to any 
beach bar, any bar in the Midwest, you know, somebody's going to order one of those things every five minutes. I mean, anybody um, who's got a blender, right? Absolutely. That's yeah, like uh, uh, Jared Brown, who wrote, a of all things, a scholarly manuscript about the pina coladas in a, a Museum of the American Cocktail book several years ago. He called it the most broadly influential cocktail ever created. And, you know, he, you you can't argue with success. I mean, it definitely, <laughs> it's true. It's, you can argue with the taste you can argue with uh the you know the, the construction of it and all sorts of other things pick it apart but people people love it because people yeah. love dessert you know it's a pineapple coconut milkshake who doesn't like that mm-hmm. so how how often do people request it at latitude 29 and, and will you make it if they if they we do it? not have one on the menu um you know i i am not a fan of that drink i don't think it's a good drink but I know that people are going to come in and order it. So we have a, a Kia Colada. Uh, it's named after our, our lawyer, Neil Bodenheimer of Kia. That's his wife, Kia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is she a big fan of the Pina Colada? No, we just like her name. Her name oh. sounded good. And, you know, alliteration... Yeah. Alliteration is all. For a second, I was like, this concludes your interview, Jeff. We got to call Kia. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Got to run this by our lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've had people from New Zealand come in and go, oh, you named it after our bird, the Kia. And I go, yeah, we sure did. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the, so the one we served is a take on the pina colada. I added lime juice because the problem with the pina colada, as I see it, is that it violates the main rule of Caribbean drink construction, which is sweet, sour, strong, and weak. It's all weak and sweet. You know, yeah. there's, there's there's no sour in it, and there's very little strong. So um, I upped the rum, and I added some lime just to give it some acid. And and now I it's a drink I will drink unless I'm looking at myself in the mirror and going, boy, i got to lose weight. You know, this is... It's not a low-calorie drink. There are people who come and they ask specifically for a pina colada, and far be it from us to steer them in any direction. We'll say, okay, we'll make you one. You know, you, you can have one. Fortunately, it doesn't happen as often as I thought it would, you know, so. Right. I mean, I think uh, the lime is 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 really essential. Uh, I mean, you, you trace it back to its uh, Caribbean roots, though, and, and it, it never had lime in it, which is weird. Yeah, uh, it was always you know just coconut and pineapple, and then you know eventually you add rum to it. But my, the the favorite thing that I ever saw with it is, uh, and I can't remember where I found this, but I, I stole it for uh, Esquire back when I was doing the old Esquire drinks database. Is a port wine float on top? Oh, that's interesting. And you pour it on, and it trickles down the sides and makes it look like you know uh, some kind of crazy dessert. But uh, if you get a good, you know, fairly acidic port, uh, a fairly bright one, uh, it really does uh, give it an extra dimension, you know, that, that it seems it seems to uh, need something like that. I'll have to try that. That sounds good. And also the visual would be good. You can call it a bloody colada. Yeah. For people who just want a pina colada, it's not good. The taste isn't that, you know, that weird. It's not like... Yeah. You're doing something really strange. You said, "No, oh, we just we always use a port wine float," and they're all like, "All right, well, okay, I guess I'll have it that way." Will you put that on the menu and call it the Life Behind Bars uh, Colada? We'll put <laughs> you on the spot. The Life Behind Bars Bloody Colada, but you have to say Bloody Colada with a really strong British accent. <laughs> or, <you know. laughs> well, it's it's kind of like a New York sour meets uh, that's, like a pina colada. Yeah, that's like, that's one of the weirdest mashups I've ever heard, but it just might work. I, I, I cannot like remember for the.
the life of me where I got it from. It was surprising and it worked. That's going, that's going into this weekend's testing. Absolutely. I yeah. love it. <laughs> but there's thought. a lot surprising about the pina colada. Like, I mean, I remember, you know, a, a couple of years ago, we had run a story for what is now known as pina colada day, which maybe people still celebrate that. Maybe they still don't, but it was, it was in July. And, um, it was it was an interview with Rupert Holmes, who obviously his 1979 hit Escape, which we all know, mm-hmm. um, and I think obviously helped popularize the drink. People like drinking pina coladas. I guess they get they like getting caught in the rain. I do not, but um, <laughs> I, um, but what was incredible about the, the the story was that he said that he had never even had one. Right, he mm-hmm. saw it listed on the menu at Gurney's in in montauk of all places right? oh, which funny. is still open right which is not really known for its bar or at least not it's now it's also but... not known for its easy listening <laughs> music either. right what was he doing what's, there and what's even i don't i don't know we didn't go into that but what's even crazier was that he'd never had the drink right and originally it was if you like humphrey bogart and getting caught in the rain. That's what he claimed. <laughs> but the album already had a reference to the Maltese Falcon. So he decided that he did not want, like literally in the studio, he decided, you know, he wrote the song like the night before at like 1 a.m. And he decided in the studio the next day, there's already enough Humphrey Bogart on this album. I've got to find something <laughs> else. And he subbed in Pina Colada. And that's the weirdest thing is like, obviously he's, you know, this man probably can't escape the pina colada at this point, but like so much about the drink is so fascinating to me. Let's back up a little bit because um, that might just make Rupert Holmes the most 1970s guy ever. (laughs) Yeah, you're right about that. Not only was the pina colada the 70s drink, right? Even though he'd never had one, he's channeling it. Bogart was like a huge 70s, there was 40s, 70s nostalgia, like 1970s nostalgia for the 1940s. Between the two of these things, he's like the poster boy for that decade. We just need a, you know, we need a picture of him in a in a slouch hat and a raincoat drinking a pina colada. Yeah, sort of photographed Casablanca record style with like a wicker chair behind him. Yeah, all. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember any uh, blenders at Rick's Cafe in Casablanca. Like, I could <laughs> oh, be no, wrong. They, they kept him under the counter. Under the counter. Under <laughs> they the would have had to change the script, and nobody goes to Rick's. Well, you know, what's funny is is the first mention of a pina colada with rum I've ever seen comes from 1944 uh, in America. So hmm. it's it, it, the timing is just perfect, you know, for Rick's Cafe, which was filmed in America in like, well, maybe 1943. But uh, <laughs> it's all in the ballpark. So now, now that's interesting, though. You say 1944 pina colada with coconut. In the U.S., I don't know about this. Could you tell okay, me? Okay, well, there was a, a company, you know, uh, the combination of, of pineapple and uh, and sugar and coconut was common in the Caribbean. And uh, you, you would strain your pineapple juice. That was pina colada. Colada means right. strained. And it, it, it turns up in all kinds of Cuban books. Well, this American company started making mixes of tropical flavors in uh, around 1940. And in a Pittsburgh uh, newspaper, uh, there's this column, uh, Shop with Muriel, from 1944, and she's talking about the Curtis Sunny Isle products, and uh, she talks about their pina colada, 
Oh, it's the best. I swear by it. Uh, yeah. Well, of course it was uh, among the other flavors. And she says, <laughs> you know, if you, this would make a pretty great rum drink. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. What? So, so Muriel you know, invented the uh, pina colada. Muriel there, which is probably a guy named like Hyman Rothschild, who was like 50 and smoking cigars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, wearing a green visor, like when yeah, the great. green visor and, and, and arm garters, you know, it's like the, the cat's in the bag and the bag's in the river. Yeah. <laughs> he the stains on his tie. Right, exactly. uh, <laughs> After he knocked that column out, he did the advice column. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. and then the auto column. And, yeah, uh, you know. yeah. Muriel there uh, had had a pretty keen appreciation of, of of what makes a good rum drink. Yeah, because I never understood the name. I mean, the name pina colada, the, the etymology of it for a pine for a pineapple coconut drink never made any sense to me. Because as you said, Dave, pina colada just literally means strained pineapple. Yeah. You know, is it, there, you know, but but even in the Caribbean, you know, the, the, you 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 run across references to like pineapple juice. It's usually not mixed with coconut cream. It's mixed with coconut water. Which makes more sense uh -huh. because yeah. you know it's not like sweet plus sweet; it's sweet plus kind of nutty and, uh, and and dry. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, so, yeah. The other thing that I have to keep telling myself constantly when I malign the pina colada, which is just about every time it comes up in conversation. <laughs> is You're not helping here, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> God. Is uh is it the the other drink I never understood aside from the pina colada was the Mary Pickford, and because it's just pineapple yeah. juice rum and what a little grenadine and again yeah. you know no sour or maraschino sometimes I oh. I, I, I finally understood why I had such a problem with it and probably one of the reasons I have a problem with the pina colada and I've never had one this way is because when you use fresh pineapple juice you're getting much more of the acid of the fruit right yeah. Um, so I actually had a Mary Pickford against my will. It was like I was forced fed like a pate goose, a Mary Pickford in, in one bottle. <laughs> Did they nail your feet down first? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, no. I'm still ambulatory. Um, but it actually wasn't bad. I didn't want a second one, but it, I finished yeah. it. You know, but, it was, that, you know. but that's also very similar to your to the life behind bars, bloody pina colada, because the grenadine is kind of like the port. Yeah, and also, you know, sweet and red, which is, is useful. But uh, I mean, a lot of these things are really dependent on fresh ingredients, you know, to understand how they caught on. And it's also a lot of it is just dependent on time and place of drinking mm -hmm. things that I would never make at home. I will gladly drink if somebody hands me one and I'm sitting on a veranda somewhere, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Keep them coming. Right. Yeah. Hotel poolside drinks. Yeah. yeah. Falls in that category. But the other, the problem with the pina colada as a, even as a poolside drink in hot weather is the cream. Yeah. You like can't the, overdo the original, it with that. Yeah. The original recipe calls for a full ounce of heavy cream and it is kind of lactic and unpleasant in the hot weather. It, 
Yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, you're really you're... selling it here, Jeff. Like <laughs> you're really selling the screen. Well, where where does that original recipe, like with the cream, come from? Is that like... the pina colada was invented in 1954 at the Caribe Hilton in San Juan, and when the Caribe Hilton opened in 1950, um, there's there's a weird confluence here of two separate things that somehow got entwined. When it opened in 1950, it was because of a um, uh, something called Operation Bootstrap, which Puerto Rico's governor, Luis Munoz Marin, in 1947 enacted, which was to try to get industry to move to Puerto Rico and try to develop the country from a one-crop sugar economy to mm. a modern, you know, uh, multi multifaceted economy, including tourism, which wasn't really that big a thing there. Some factories moved in because he gave them tax incentives and all kinds of other stuff, but he could not get a hotel, a good luxury hotel to open on the island until he enticed Conrad Hilton to open up the Caribe Hilton. He gave him seven million bucks to construct the place, and then he gave him tax-free operating profit. Yeah, so and they put it in its own neighborhood, like separated from the whole rest of the city. And Yeah, long story short. So th that's Operation Bootstrap in Action is creating... Uh, the modern post-war tourist economy in Puerto Rico in 1950 with the Hilton. And then uh, concurrently, um, Operation Bootstrap grant money given to the University of Puerto Rico at San Juan. Uh, there is a scientist there, food scientist, Don Ramon Lopez Irizarry. I apologize to his family if I'm mispronouncing that. He developed Coco Lopez, named it after himself. It was kind of revolutionary because prior to that, if you wanted to put coconut cream in a drink or in food, and it, it call, it's called for in so many Caribbean food recipes and drink recipes. And you had to crack open a mature hard coconut, you had to grate the meat, you had to heat it in its own juices, you had to force the result through cheesecloth and, and skim it, and then sweeten it, and then you could put it in a drink. So, you know, basically, fuck that. <laughs> What's yeah. to do that? That's a lot of that's a lot of prep work. Yeah, especially at a high volume place like the Caribe was served hundreds of, you know, uh, signature drinks a day. So it was revolutionary. So the Caribe tumbles to this in 54. And one of the bartenders there, um, guy called himself Monchito, Monchito Perez, added Coco Lopez to the Pina Fria, which was just rum, pineapple and sugar. And voila, you know, the Pina Colada. Uh, and uh, it became... It went viral pretty quickly. It became pretty famous. I mean, the hotel yeah. drew a lot of celebrities. You know, you had, you had like John Wayne, Liz Taylor, um, you know, Joan Crawford, who famously said it, uh, drinking a pina colada was better than slapping Betty Davis in the face. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and it just it, Not it, wrong. It went all over the island and, and other hotels and bars started claiming paternity. And uh, by the 1970s, it was the official drink of the Puerto Rico declared by the government. And you had Warren Zevon and Rupert Holmes singing about it. But the interesting thing for me is I don't think that would have happened without Coco Lopez or without Operation Bootstrap. You really needed that. It would have just been the same drink that people had been drinking around the Caribbean forever and, and that never got any traction. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you're right, Dave, that like it kind of goes back to that's so evocative of place. And then and, and people like, you know, when they go back home to wherever they come from, like, Mm -hmm. say Iowa and they they they're longing to be back on the beach pull out the blender at that point blenders are everybody has you know I'm going to say like a avocado green blender on their counter yeah, right yeah. And it's like they 
the ingredients are available. They mix it up, and it's like you know, it's trans, you know, it's transportive. You know, well, yeah. I mean, the Coco Lopez comes in a can, which is key, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. in the refrigerator section. It's something you can keep in your cabinet forever. Absolutely. And uh, and Noah, the uh, it was avocado green, or I, or I remember Harvest Gold was the other color. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Harvest Gold. Well, I'm sure you could mess it up. It's pretty no fail the recipe. You know what I mean? It's not it's, a complicated drink. Doesn't require a deft hand. Like the first thing you got to do is get rid of the cream. Um, I mean, what what Monchito did was two ounces of um, you know white Puerto Rican rum. Oddly enough, um, <laughs> one ounce of no Lopez and one ounce of full fat cream, and then six ounces of pineapple juice. Uh, and he blended that with four ounces of ice for 15 seconds and then poured it into a special, uh, you know, Caribe Hilton glass made for the drink. That's important too. Yeah. But anyway, um, everything about that is okay for a blender drink, except for there's not enough ice in it. Uh, so it Mm. it doesn't get cold enough. So you got to up the ice to maybe a full cup, you know, or, or two thirds of a cup, six ounces to eight ounces of ice. Yeah. And then instead of an ounce of Coco Lopez and an ounce of cream, just do two ounces of Coco Lopez. It's, it's so much easier on your stomach. Or even, you know, <laughs> you really only need just one ounce of Coco Lopez. <laughs> it goes a long way. Yeah, it does. It, it, it's true. That makes a less uh, viscous drink. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Everyone to play that, but just get rid of the cream. No, get rid of the dairy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of those drinks like the jungle bird where if you look at you know the original jungle bird it, it, it's like there was the the germ of a good drink in there it just uh-huh. needed to be excavated yeah and and, yeah. and pulled out and I, I think you could say the same about the pina colada there's something in there that needs to like shove itself out and 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 it, it can become like this balanced refreshing like intriguing drink that you believe it's going to be and then you That's taste very- it and it's kind of creamy and and, and heavy and yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And of course, the key things to extract from it are pineapple and coconut. Yeah, delicious together. You know, so it's just a matter of messing around with that. I did. I I, I have to walk back a little bit of what I said at the top of the hour. I mean, I, I have had good pina coladas. In, oh, so it comes. But out. they're not. Okay. But they're but they're the Wondrich ethos of <laughs> they had to pull the drink out of it. You know? Right. Yeah. I've never had a good one made to spec to the original spec. It's just it's. Just not I think you're right when you said it it, it, it relied on, uh, you know, you have to rely on fresh pineapple for the acidity. Yeah. Uh, you can't do it with canned pineapple. And, and you know, juicing pineapples is a royal pain in the neck for uh, mm-hmm. for, for punters and people who, who don't have yeah. a high-volume bar that, that's going to be and juicing it's, And it's still hard to get fresh pineapple juice in a lot of places. That yeah, is yeah. one thing. Um, yeah. I, I hesitate to even bring this up, but I will. For so many people, I think, the cherry on top of a pina colada is actually a cherry. Yeah. Like, where does that come from? <laughs> like, is that like the cheap, you know, neon red cherry? You know, it's not one of these, you know, craft brandied cherries that we know and love. No, it's the maraschino cherry with like carcinogenic red dye number two. Yes. God yeah. bless it. And, and is and that they developed in labs, I think, at the University of Oregon, was it? I think it was Miskatonic University. <laughs> you're, you're probably right. I think, you know, they, they, they might be little uh, Cthulhu droppings. <laughs> Is that correct, like, to the original recipe, the cherry, or does that come later? If you, if you look at the old menus, not super old, but, like, from the 1960s, from the 
Kariba Hilton, they do have a, you know, a cherry and pineapple garnish, and it is one of those nuclear red cherries. Yeah. And also, yeah. it's apropos because as an as a dessert drink, I mean, what do you put on top of a sundae? You know, it's right? Like, of it course, just, just yeah. fits. Just the one thing that we have not brought up, and I think it's a glaring omission that I'd like to correct, is also the role that the show Love Boat has ah. for the pina colada. And our friend um, Isaac, the bartender, I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, as I remember watching that show with my grandmother, it seems like everybody was drinking pina coladas, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, or is that my imagination? Like, No, I no, that was, again, that's peak 70s. Yeah. You know, Love Boat is peak 70s, pina colada is peak 70s, all those things just sort of like meld blend together. together if you will yeah. um, i mean so was you know like uh, the midori sour and uh, right. there were a lot of other things that were peak 70s thank you jeff for for coming on i, I know it, it pains you to talk about the pina colada <laughs> but I, I couldn't think of anybody better to, yeah. to join us it pains to, me to drink one not to talk about one i could talk about them <laughs> <laughs> well i i hope i hope many of our listeners will will, will find you seek you out in new orleans go to latitude 29 on on the days that you're there and the nights and, and, and order many, many rounds of pina coladas. So that's right. I don't want your stinking pina colada. Give me a pina colada. You know what that, that would mean to that bar money. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. You got it. Somebody wants pina colada. They're going to get a pina colada. I know that you have many large format drinks that come in an ever impressive array of containers would you ever consider doing like a large format pina colada? Well, that, that's funny. You should mention uh, the communal drinks because people still want them. I and mean, we don't have them on the menu. We don't even have a real menu anymore. It's just a piece of paper now because of COVID. But when we do have a real menu, I think we're going to put them back because people, you know, if they're in their pod right. or, yeah. you know, if they're yeah, family, fine. sure. Yeah, they'll, they're, they're fine with it. And they're fun. People enjoy them. Well, I look forward to hopefully soon being back in New Orleans with you and Dave and I will order a giant size uh, pina colada made with uh, 48 ounces of uh, I'll let cream. you do that, Noah. And, uh... That was for me, Dave. Don't be so presumptuous. Okay, that was for me. You order your Saturn. I'll have a large format pina colada and, and we'll be good. <laughs> well, would you like that with port? Because we're, we're going to have to. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. I want the life behind Make it ours. bloody. Bloody colada. Or, or how about the, pina, pina colada, please, and make it bloody. Well, <laughs> that's for our Halloween menu. We'll have the plasma colada. Plasma colada. There you go. Now we got the name. See, that's yeah, the up, most important thing. Up, you know, just a few blocks from your location, you know, our, our friend Wayne Curtis came on, a, I guess, a, two years ago or so to talk about Bourbon Street and all those amazing drinks and talking about the shark attack, right? Isn't mm -hmm. that isn't that one of the, which of course does include grenadine and a whole um, shark attack themed, uh, a little bit of uh, performance art theater mm -hmm. with your cocktail. And, and perhaps, perhaps it, there should also be a little bit of performance art theater with when you deliver the, the bloody life behind bars collage. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just wheel it out on a gurney. Yeah, there you go. Hey, it's bourbon. Some, somebody in the uh, pour it from an IV bag into the glass. <laughs> exactly. I have seen crazier on Bourbon Street. You know, so. Yeah, well, that's true too. We'll have to put an ambulance siren on it because you love those so much, Noah. Exactly. That would be amazing. Turn it on. Everybody knows it's coming out of the back. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Hope to see you soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Dave and I encourage you to drink responsibly always. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.